Welcome to the iMatter Podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Welcome to the iMatter Podcast. Well, I'm excited this month because I've just published my latest book. It's called There's an Eye in Team. Now, this is a leadership book, but it's a leadership book with a difference. See, there are lots and lots of books for senior leaders and business owners which talk about how the world has changed and how to change their organization to adapt. And that's great, and I'm all for that. But most of the world's leaders are not in that position. So you might be leading a project team, a program team, or a functional team in your organization. And in our fast-changing, customer-centric world, we definitely need a new kind of leadership. And it's not just about changing the entire culture of your organization or turning your business completely around. It's about tapping into the power of the people in your team. So your team members are smart, they're talented, they're innovative, and they're savvy people. They raise families, they operate heavy machinery to drive to your office every day, they run events, they support important causes, and they manage dozens of other complex situations every day. At work, they want you to be their mentor, not just their manager. They want work that gives them meaning, not just money. And they want to know what's going on in the organization, not just in their little job, but the big picture as well, so they can help. And they'll happily help you achieve your goals and thrive if you do the same for them. They want leaders who will help them shine. And that's why I say there is an eye in team now, and the best leaders recognize, embrace, and leverage the power of the individuals in their team. So even if you don't have the support of senior management or HR or the organization as a whole, you can still use your authority and influence to use the ideas in this book. It's a book about teamwork, but it's about you and individual team members rather than you and the team as a whole. And you can find out more about it at theresanineinteam.com. So that's theresanineinteam.com. Okay, now today's interview is about one of the topics in the book, and it's about personal branding. And you know that large organizations put a lot of work into building their brand, which is the way that that organization is perceived to others, both internally within the organization and externally to their customers, clients, and other stakeholders. Now, as leaders, we should place as much importance on our own personal brand. So even if you're a leader inside an organization, there are really good reasons for doing this. So first of all, internally, you become the go-to guy or go-to gal inside your organization for your area of expertise. You look after your own career path and guide it. Your work becomes more meaningful and rewarding because you do work that's aligned with your brand. Decision-making on a day-to-day basis becomes easier because, again, you use your personal brand as an alignment guide. You attract and retain the best people because they're the ones who are aligned with and they're inspired by your personal brand. And you can become a role model for your team members who want to build their own personal brand. Some people like the word authority rather than the phrase personal brand. In fact, I like that too, because it implies respect. And you're not a leader because you have authority, but because you are an authority. In other words, you're recognized for your expertise. And I think this is an important difference. In the past, you had authority because of your title, your seniority, your age, whether you have a corner office or a window, and the connections in your network. Now, those things still matter to some extent, but they're less important now. So people now respect you because you are an authority. And that authority comes from what you know, who you are, and how you connect, collaborate, and communicate. So today, let's listen to a conversation that I had with Jane Anderson, who's an expert in creating impact, and she's just brilliant at helping leaders create their personal brand. 
Hello, this is Gihan Pereira. I'm speaking today with Jane Anderson. Jane's an expert in creating impact, and she's worked with thousands of people to help them have more influence as leaders, on stage, in meetings, in job interviews, and have impact and influence online. And if the name's familiar to you or the voice is familiar when you hear it, it's probably because you've heard or seen her on TV in mornings on Channel 9 or as an expert on Today Tonight, or you might have come across her advice uh, online on BBC Online, in Management Today, in the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, The Courier Mail, Marie Claire, and another list that's as long as my arm. Uh, and she does have a huge list of clients, including some of Australia's largest organisations, as well as working with smaller businesses and individual thought leaders as well. So she's got breadth and depth and expertise. And I'm really excited to speak to her today because I want to talk to her about having more impact and influence, especially in this area of personal branding. So welcome, Jane. Thank you, Gihan. So pleased to be able to work with you. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's fantastic to have you. It's fantastic to have you. So I know you've got expertise in a lot of areas, but let's talk about a little bit of your background and how you got started in this area of impact and influence and personal branding. Mm, that's a great question. So um, to go back, I guess the first time I really heard about personal branding and this concept of it, I remember it was 1997 and I was in my second year in my marketing class at, at university. I, mm. I grew up in Lismore in New South Wales, so I think most people think I'm sitting around smoking drugs or something. <laughs> but I'm not doing that, I rest assured. But um, but I remember the day that the article came in, uh, uh, my lecturer handed it out and it was Tom Peters, and uh, it was around the article that he wrote called "The Brand Brand You" or "Brand Called You" in Fast Company magazine. Mm. And uh, and I remember I was so I was doing a marketing degree, and I thought, wow, imagine imagine a world where you would market people. And I thought, you know, that, this whole concept of personal brand to me, I thought that just sounds extraordinary. Imagine one day someone coming to you and saying, "I'd like a personal brand," and here's my credit card, please. <laughs> I thought that just seems so bizarre to me. But I remember thinking back then that would be an amazing thing to do and I just, and, and you know, here we are today talking about it. So uh, so I, I guess I, my experience was all my experience has led sort of, I guess all, all roads let, have led to personal branding. I, I did a marketing degree but I worked in um, – uh, I worked for a couple of personally branded businesses in family-owned businesses and their names were well-known. Um, and then I also worked in in government in application writing and interview skills and helping people progress their careers. I've done a lot of outplacement for people who have left jobs and helped set them up as solopreneurs. And then I've been an executive coach for leaders within organisations. So what I found with the, the consistent um, or the red thread between through all the things I was doing was positioning people um, and building their personal brand to get what they wanted. It's interesting that you're describing that as positioning, Jane, because I know that when I talk to people about personal branding, people who haven't come across the term before, they mm-hmm. kind of understand what branding is for an organization, but they tend to think of that as colors and logos and slogans. <laughs> and they go, okay, well, what's a personal brand? Does that mean that it's you're wearing a red suit, or like a red tie with a black suit, or is it the way that you dress, <laughs> the way you groom yourself? And people don't really get the concept of personal brand. So well, how, how would you define it, and especially for people, as, like you said, leaders within organizations, people looking to boost their careers, not necessarily people who are out there as experts and thought leaders themselves? 
Yeah, and it, it's so true. I guess my, most people think either he's some kind of stylist or graphic mm. designer or something mm. like that. So um, I guess the way I explain it is I say it's generally the expectation or your promise to the world and my and whether that's face-to-face or digital or um, uh, in terms of who you are and the strengths that you have, how would others describe you if you're not there? Um, and what's the perception of you either in your workplace or in the market or even based on the collateral you have? If I looked at the collateral that you send me or if I look at your website or if I look at your LinkedIn in a digital sense, does it match the human being? Sometimes it doesn't always. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that some people feel it's a little bit icky to talk about themselves that way and to put position themselves and talk about, especially now in, in Australia where we have this tall poppy syndrome, mm. do you find that people are a little bit reluctant to, to position themselves and they'd rather have other people talk about them? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, and I think that's, I think some people even say to me, oh, it's okay for you. You're used to doing this. You, you're used to talking about all yourself, yourself all the time. I say, I'm actually an introvert. And I, and it was something I personally really struggled with because I was a more behind the scenes kind of person. And as you say, we have this tall poppy thing where it's not cool to um, say, I'm so good or look at me or, uh, but I guess the way I try to help people understand that is that it's, it's about helping your customer understand what it is that you help them with. And it has to match who you are personally. But um, but you're absolutely right. We have this tall poppy thing where we don't want to stand out. Um, but, you know, the lack of that understanding or knowing what it is holds people back mm. um, from understanding how important it is to position and market yourself and not market as in you're out throwing business cards, pushing business cards down people's mm. throats and and, and um, uh, pushing yourself onto people. But it's making you um, attractive enough for the type of people or, or job or client that you want to work with so that you make sense to them. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense for some people. Jane, mm. it, it seems to be obvious that if you're a marketer, if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a thought leader, if you're a celebrity, mm. then that's part of your, that's part of your, um, what you, what value you offer. But mm. is it for everyone? Is it for people like leaders within organizations? Is it for new graduates who have just started work? Is it for, um, if, if you like, like people who don't have that external facing role in their, in their professional lives? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at, um, you know, university students, you know, for them, they've got a lot more digital presence. They're far more exposed digitally, you know, particularly through Facebook photos. There's a lot of pictures of, you know, thing, me drinking with my pump mm-hmm. friends at the at the pub on a Sunday afternoon or those types of things. Um, you know, if you look at um, even even leaders, you know, for the average, we know the average team member within an organisation is connected to around 14, 15 people at work on their digital connections but particularly on Facebook now that poses a risk so I you know when I work with organizations I see I I hear conversations of did you see what they put on Facebook this week or I stalk Mm -hmm. their Facebook they were doing this last Saturday um you know or these photos were up so there's those there are those type of implications but there is also um I was on a plane not long ago and I was sitting next to a gentleman who was um 
he was a, a professor of um, internet security at um, a university, but he also owned his own business. And I asked him a little bit about, I said, you know, we're talking a bit about LinkedIn, and I said to him, um, how have, has your, how has LinkedIn impacted on your business within the organization? And he said, well, he said what it has meant, he said, I've actually removed my sales team. I have one sales manager now. He said, I used to have a sales team. I don't anymore. I have one sales manager and all my technical experts, as in the thought leaders, the experts in our technology, um, are now I allow time for them to be on forums, connect with people through LinkedIn, answer questions, and our sales come that way. So we've got huge changes happening as a result of the leverage of social networks through people who want to talk to the experts within businesses. So it's also about access to those people. That's interesting, isn't it? And that's a really big shift that the online world has given us that we've now got. We may be doing the same things that we used to do with networking and connection and collaboration, but now we're doing it online. We've just got access to so many other influences. Mm. Yeah, so, you you know, it's probably uh, links just, I guess, some of Seth Godin's thinking on the whole linchpin and that um, there are people within organisations. It's not just, you're not just in these closed economies or closed networks within organisations anymore. You know, there's far more access and um, and your people, particularly leaders within an organisation, are as much brand ambassadors when they walk out those front doors of your business um, as they are within them. Yeah, now that's a really interesting point, Jane, because what you're saying is that whoever you are and whatever level you are in, in an organisation, when you walk out, you're part of the, you're an ambassador for the brand. And I guess we've always we've always been like that. It's just that in the past what you all you could do was talk about at a barbecue or talk yes. about at home whereas now you can post something on facebook and or twitter and thousands of other people see it instantly and that reflects badly on your organization or reflects well on your organization that's right you, it, the exposure is so different now isn't it yeah that's right mm-hmm. and again it, it comes back to that if you like the conflict between your your organization's brand and your personal brand so let, let's talk about personal branding specifically because i think that mm you probably got a practical process to help people build a personal brand. Um, I'm sure it's a journey and I'm yes. sure it's not something that we can <laughs> talk about in just 10 or 15 minutes. But what are some of the elements of that? How do you, how does somebody go about identifying or building or developing their, their personal brand? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I say that I keep it pretty simple. I, I try to just focus really on three things. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing is getting uh, is the first thing is clarity. So just really clear about who you are, what your mission is or your your vision. If you woke up tomorrow and you had this ideal life or your ideal business or your ideal job, what would be happening? What would that, um, you know, if you could see it, what would it look like? Um, then also clarity about your strengths. So what is it that you're known for? What is it that um, you love to do? And I talked a bit about that red thread through through mm. my career. Um, quite often when I work with clients, I'm looking for what is the red thread that runs through it. So I might look at a resume and it's not necessarily job titles, but it's, I'll look for a thread. And so it might be around connection. So it might be around, you know, experience with people. It might be around teaching. It might be, um, uh, leadership. It might be those types of things. So just, um, real clarity and, um, a strong sense of your, a strong sense of self. So clarity is the first thing. And then the second thing is uh, communication. 
And when I say communication, I mean what are all the touch points that you have? So um, if you're... If you're a leader within an organisation, it'll be what, what is the experience of going to a meeting with you? Or if, I, um, if I'm if i a job seeker, what does your LinkedIn profile look like? Mm-hmm. Or So I'll, depending on the role, I'll look at what are all the touch points and then how is that clarity or how is that vision and that, that mission articulated in those touch points? Then the third part is is what I call control and control is when things go wrong and, you know, I, I think sometimes we focus so much on, yeah, I want to do this and, you know, I'm going to pump out content or if I'm a Kim Kardashian, you know, I want to be, you know, a centre of attention and I'm just going to take heaps of selfies. And um, but, um, but control is about when things go wrong and, you know, ironically our brand shows up the most when life doesn't really go to plan and it doesn't mean that, life's perfect but it means when things go wrong what action do you take to ensure that you've got the consistency of your message so in other words if you want to be known as a leader when things go wrong then how do you show leadership in that situation because otherwise if it just all looks nice and you know what you want it's not really authentic and so it's got to be consistent when things go wrong can you give an example of that? I'm really curious about that third one, Jane, where you talk about control. We'll come back to clarity and communication. But can you give an example of a client you may have worked with where they needed to take control when something went wrong and they were aligned with their brand? Yeah. If I think about um, I think about a, a client, so this is someone who has a personally branded business. So this is a retailer under her own name. And um, and so this is uh, when a situation comes in if, if a customer is not happy with a product or something that's come into her business, if, if it's uh, fallen apart or, you know, there's been a manufacturing fault. So that experience that she treats it like an opportunity and not as in um, – uh, an inconvenience so an opportunity to learn more so what could we have done better we want to be known as the best in our industry if you had this experience again how could we have changed that for you um, so there's a lot of and shifting the mindset of her team around her so that when something goes wrong or if there's a, a, a complaint is that it's not seen as an inconvenience we want to be the best how could we have improved on this rather than saying oh we'll just give you a refund <laughs> yes. Or whatever you want. Yeah, I totally get that now because what you're saying is that it's easy to be superficial and put out something that that you think the world wants to hear as your personal brand, but it really only gets tested when it's mm-hmm. when you're put under pressure and put under stress. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Coming back to the clarity thing, what if you get it wrong? <laughs> and, uh, I'm thinking of myself, Jane. So right. you know, like you think of vision and mission and your purpose in life and what what really turns you on. I remember when I started my business, uh, I thought what I was doing was all about leverage and getting more out of everything that you do. And mm-hmm. my, my brand was around more and leverage. And more and more, as I, as I reflect, I realize that it's more about the individual and it's about uh, helping individuals, whether they're individual business owners or individuals in teams or individual leaders within teams, um, get more and actually leveraging the power of the individual, which is now why my branding is around I matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have to get it right at the start or, you know, what happens if you go down the wrong path? Is it a disaster if you get started or uh, do you have to wait until you get your mission and your vision right? 
Oh, great question. I think, um, and probably a bit like you, I had similar experience, even my own business. And I, I think that uh, there's a few elements to clarity. One is um, you've, um, some people kind of have an idea. The other thing I would say is let it evolve. So, you know, one of the things I get people to do, and even my own vision and my my work, I pull it out every 12 months there's, or there's things that, I, that I'll add on and things that I remove. So I think even if you're not 100% clear is just start somewhere, mm. is what would be some of the elements. The other part that's really important in terms of clarity is around who have you got around you that can um, confirm or validate or add to that clarity. So, for example, um, quite often I might help someone try and find the right mentor for them. I might not necessarily be the right person. I can be the facilitator for this framework, but I'll go, you know what, let's have a look at someone who's done that and let's see what they think. And, um, you know, they'll be able to, because they've trod that path that that person's trying to um, achieve, sometimes they get to talk to that person or be um, mentored by them. They go, you know what, I thought I wanted that, but I actually don't want that at all. Mm. <laughs> and um, uh, so some, I guess what I say to people is going through, it's a bit like going on work experience, you know, when you, I don't know if you did that when you were at school. I did. But, but yeah, so I, I thought I wanted to be a radiographer and I went to, I went to the hospital, I did two weeks in the x-ray unit, I was loaded up on lead suits and I, <laughs> I got to see all these operations, I'm sure you can't do it now, but, you know, I walked away going, okay, well, I've confirmed that I've, I feel really sad around sick people and I don't think that, I think I'm better off helping people in a positive space rather than a time when they're at their worst. So sometimes being able to be exposed to a situation and even if you decide that it's not right for you, at least you know and it's you, it helps you to get clarity and to move forward to, okay, well, it's not that but what are the elements of that that I do like and to be able to move that into, well, where else would that fit and then talking to people who are who can answer those questions and who other people have done those things in the past. Okay, so how long does this clarity process typically take? Is this something that you have to go away and sit at the top of a mountain navel-gazing for a while? <laughs> or do you, do you expose yourself and immerse yourself in different experiences like you just described? Or is it a process of just quiet contemplation or some, or a mix of them? Do you know what, um, Gideon, it's, it's funny, I, it depends on how far the person is into their career. <laughs> so if I get someone who's fairly early in their career or graduates, it's like open slather. They're so creative and they think so openly that the, the world is their oyster. And they put, when I do clarity work with them, there's there are no impossibilities. When I work with people who are later in their career, they're restricted by what's practical, what's realistic, um, what other in the confines of me managing my mortgage and my kids and you know all these other challenges that I have. So the uh, the the vision is less um, in the space of big possibilities, and they they um, when I do this work, it's hard to get them to think bigger picture. Sometimes I don't know if you've found this, but so I guess what I say is um, some people actually won't even do it; they refuse to do it, <laughs> and um, at, at first. So what I'll do is I'll sometimes even just get started on even a small part of it. It might seem overwhelming to them. Um, some people also feel like they can't feel like they can demand that. 
that they can have that, this possibility. So I'll just start smaller with them. Um, some people I find when I've worked with them, they, they know exactly what they want. They will walk in with a portfolio that they've built and they say, this is what I want, and they, know, they have that clarity in two, three minutes they can do it. But some people it might evolve over time. Like they might come back in six months and go, okay, here's what it is. Or I had one client who had a, a big scroll of a blueprint of a, a it, this farm with um, little cabins and ducks and bikes. And <laughs> it was like this thing that was under his bed for years. And he goes, is this kind of what you mean? And, um, and you know, I think people have elements of it, but they haven't always had the permission to be allowed to think that way. And so sometimes it's, everyone's different. Take, some take a little while. Um, some can do it really quickly. So I just generally work at people's pace. But, you know, I, I, the big thing is being, you're allowed to think this way. You're allowed to think, you know, you're allowed to ask for what you want. It's interesting because as I'm listening to you, I think that my, my whole idea around personal branding is changing because I thought personal branding was all about who you are, whereas I think you're saying it's also about who you want to be. Yes, Yes, and what parts of that are you being right now? Mm. So if you're positioning yourself with your with your personal brand and if you shift over to that next section, Jane, where mm. you, you talked about clarity and now you go into communication, presumably communication is how you express your personal brand. Is mm. that communication about, let's say there's a, there's a mismatch between who you are and who you want to be, is yes. that communication about who you currently are or is it all about who you want to be or do you have to have a mix in there? Um, uh, the, first and foremost, it's all about authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you, I mean, you're just going to come across a bit um, odd if you suddenly turn up one day and you're this, you know, different, like you've had a personality transplant overnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is exactly why I asked the question because it seems yeah. like you might do the clarity exercise and, and say, okay, what I want to do is actually quite different from what I'm doing now. So how do you kind of shift gradually into that role? Yes. Yeah. So it might be that whilst you've got the big picture with the clarity in, you know, sort of in the back of your mind, sometimes you just need to focus on what's the next step that would be towards that. So um, an example is um, uh, it might be, you know, say, let's say one touch point is how somebody dresses. It might be, you know, and I do a little bit on, on dress standards. I used to be a fashion buyer years ago. But um, it might be that, you know, you don't have to dress like you're the CEO. Even though you want to be a CEO in 10 years, you don't need to dress like the CEO right now. But it might be one of your touch points is, okay, well, what we might need to do is just think about in terms of your next step is being a manager. So what we need to do is think about let's look at your um, personal presence and one of those things that's a part of that might be in terms of how you dress. So the next step is let's look at how you're dressing each day just for – and so, you know, my mum used to always say to me, dress for the job you want, not the job you've had. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's just what's the next little step in the path? It's not the top of the, the the stairwell, but it's just what's the next step that you need to focus on. And so you've kind of got that line of sight between – what you're doing right now and how it fits in the bigger picture, but you're doing what's appropriate for the next step, not the big one. 
Yeah, and that's great. That's great because it applies not only to dress. It's not only like dress for the job you want, but it's also think for the job you want or think for the position you want to go into. And I guess it automatically will guide you towards a position even if you're not there yet. Yes, that's right. Because people, I always say there's someone, someone is talking about you in a room Mm. somewhere Mm. and opportunities, I think it was uh, Richard Branson who said opportunities come come along like buses. If you miss one, there's another one coming. <laughs> and um, so, uh, you know, I, I always say to people, there are opportunities happening around you that you don't realise and no one's saying them to you just yet. So you want to be, it positions about being ready. And so that they, I always say people think in square peg, square hole. Does this person We've got this square hole and who is our square peg? And if they go, oh, they've got a bit of development to do or mm, I don't know that they're quite ready or I don't know if I've got time to train them or all those types of things. So the more that you're positioned as the square peg, then the more that opportunity will come to you. Okay, so this is really interesting because you've got that process of clarity, communication and control. It mm. seems that people like you and me, Jane, have a mm. lot of freedom and flexibility because we're business owners so we mm. can create and develop and and even pivot our personal brand if you want to. What mm. about within organizations? So do you think that leaders within organizations, apart from the building their own personal brand, should they be encouraging their employees to build their own personal brands as well? Absolutely. So mm. I think there are a couple of things that um, I'm seeing out there. I think for leaders, I think one of the things for them to um, – uh, help their their team to position as uh, through their personal brand. Um, the number one thing I think is how leaders spend their time, and it's funny because people go, "Oh, I thought we were here to talk about personal brand, not mm-hmm. not efficiency and time management." <laughs> or, but I think it's around efficiency and effectiveness because if you don't manage your time well, and if you aren't effective in the outcomes and you're focused on the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, you you, you start your day at five o'clock in the afternoon once everyone's out of your hair and you're exhausted and you're not truly effective and then you're not known for what you want to be known for. So you're pulled into other people's stuff and then you end up just being seen as a nice person or helpful and that's not going to get you where you want to go. Um so, and that's true leadership, isn't it? That you, it's around, if you want to be known as a leader, then you're going to have to take control and take the lead. Um, so one of the things I often spend a lot of time with is, one of the things I pick up a lot in personal branding is how a person's time is being spent. Mm-hmm. Um, then in terms of, uh, the other thing that I see with personal branding for employees within organisations is leaders using coaching conversations to help their team members take personal responsibility for themselves. So what I mean by that is that what I find is um, uh, uh, when you work with team members, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes I work, a lot of the time I work with team members where it's it's up to the organisation to satisfy me and to make me happy or to, you know, I just come here, I just do my job, I just get paid. And it's like I handed over the keys when I walked in and I'm just going to do what the organisation wants me to do. And so I think as leaders, one of the things I do is embed personal branding into a a team member's performance discussions and they may not necessarily use the words personal brand, but they might use questions like, so, uh, you know, you're turning up late lately. How do you think that's helping you influence and persuade in the organisation? Because 
you're coming in late or you're not delivering on time or your budgets are blowing out or your projects are going over time. So um, how do you think that's having an impact on your uh, what you want to be known for in the organisation? See, that's great because it's, what you're focusing on there is not so much, oh, you're coming in late or your budgets are blowing out, what impact is having on our productivity and the, uh, our KPIs and your role, but it's saying how does it affect the way that people look at you and your personal brand, isn't it? So it turns it back on them, which mm. presumably gives them more motivation to, to fix things. Yes, and it's, oh, actually, well, then we have to go back and have a clarity conversation. Mm. <laughs> So that you know, if, even if you come at that angle, is well, okay, that's a good question. So, what is it that you? What are your aspirations? What is it that you want? So, how is what you're doing right now supporting you to achieve that? And um, so, I see personal brand very much about when you're working with team members for leaders to to use it in a conversation where you're trying to create choice for that employee's behaviour. Yeah, I love that. I really like that, Jane. That's a, that's a really good way of uh, putting it because it seems that everyone wins that way. Absolutely. That's and that's that's the whole idea. You're so true. Yeah. So what what about the people who actually embrace the idea? They really build their personal brand. They do all the sort of so they've got clarity. They do all the right sort of communication things. Mm. Is there a risk to organisations? I can see two risks. So one is that <laughs> that their that their personal brand might be in conflict with the organisation's brand. So how do you handle that? And the mm-hmm. second thing is that it seems like your star employees, your star team members, are the ones who are most likely to do this well, but they're also the most likely to be poached by the competition. Yes, it's a good question because when I work with CEOs, um, they think that that's what I'm there to do is to <laughs> help their staff be coached. <laughs> yes. um, and that's not the case at all. Um, I think the first one around the uh, the risk that creates for conflict with it, with the organisation's brand, it's interesting. I had one one client who came to me who said the business had said to them, never let your personal, personal brand get bigger than the company brand. Mm. And I thought, wow. That's that's quite interesting, you know. For some organisations that they don't, they see that to be a little bit threatening. Um, and but I believe people buy from people. If you if you're if you if you've got people within the organisation that they form part of the sales funnel and their networks and connections form that, then um, to me it supports the brand. But if you've got um, so. I think that, yeah, there are some organisations that I can understand why they would have a fear of that. But um, what I believe it's up to the marketing teams and um, and this is, I think it's still very early days. I'm still doing quite a bit of education for marketing and comms teams mm. to say here's how you can get this to work. But what it also comes up is uh, it's got to match the values of the organisation. If you've got the wrong team member in the organisation, then, yeah, you're going to have conflict if the values don't match. But if that person has been recruited based on cultural fit, then they're a great ambassador for the organisation. They're going to be okay. But if that person is not a good cultural fit, then we've got a, probably got a problem. Um, the other question around the risk of employees being lured by competitors, mm. um, I think it's a, a great point. So one of the things I find I'm educating uh, marketing comms and particularly CEOs is when if we're talking, uh, I'll go into digital first of all, if I said in terms of, say, LinkedIn profiles and people putting up thought leadership and, and those types of things, um, uh, when we're doing digital profiling, 
um, if the profile is written based on the person trying to get a job, it's written for for the wrong purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that means, you know, recruiters are trying to find them for certain roles and things like that. But if a LinkedIn profile, for example, if their digital profile and their presence and their content, if they're writing thought leadership, then that purpose is written based on we are a great place to work, we are one of Australia's leading, you know, organisations, we have our values are, here's our contribution to the community, um, all those types of things. And there's nothing in it about here are, I've had these achievements, so, um, you know, these are the tasks I do. Um, so if you're, uh, I guess, a true ambassador for the organisation, when we go in and write executive profiles, they're actually an extension of the organization they're less about themselves they're not cookie cutter or anything like that mm-hmm. but they're about this is why this organization is a great place to work and i'm an ambassador for the business and um and this is the difference that we make in the world and so it's written for purpose if it's a job seeker profile's written completely different for um than a brand ambassador and that's a really great that's a really great approach, Shane, because what you're talking about is the difference between scarcity and abundance, isn't it? Because if you can yeah. have that scarcity mentality and say, if our stars shine, then they're gonna be pushed by other people. But mm. the abundance mentality is that if our stars shine and they show what a great place it is to work, where we, we support, embrace those ideas and really encourage them, then it's only going to attract more people like them to come and work for us. Exactly. We know that 75% of job seekers will validate their future boss on LinkedIn. We know that um, they will also validate the CEO and they want to know who they're going to work for. They want to know, could I work for that person? Or they'll they'll Google the person on, um, they'll find the person's details on Seek, you know, who's the person going to report to. Or, and of course, they're going to jump on LinkedIn and try and work out who you are. So they want to work. They're trying to get a sense of: Do I like you? Would I? Could I work with you every day? Um, so uh, we also know that for customers, two two out of three customers want to um, uh, will make a decision on a, an organisation or a product based on what they find out about the CEO online. And so, of course, you get CEOs who. Well, don't want to be online at all, mm. and uh, but there's a great opportunity there because you can put your Don Meage from Domino's is a great example of that, um, where he he doesn't spruik himself, but he leverages his profile to amplify the brand and connect with customers, and so he's validated really well. And so people can, they go, oh, you know, look what's happening at Domino's. They've connected to him as a person. So there's huge opportunity there. Um, I think there's, um, it's still, uh, people are still trusting it, I think. <laughs> still a little bit nervous of it. Yeah, and it reminds me, Jane, like a couple of decades ago when I was a team mm-hmm. leader within an organisation, uh, I remember even then, that there were people talking about I mean, personal branding wasn't so big, but I remember there were people talking about training and development. And I heard a management consultant say that a lot of managers and leaders will say, you know, what if I train my best people and they leave? And they say, you know, they say the worst, the only thing worse than that is that you don't train them and they stay. That's and so I think it's so now that also applies to things like personal branding, doesn't it? Because uh, it's not only people don't only just want training and development. They also want the chance to express themselves. You, absolutely, and to connect. They want to be connected to um, their networks both within and outside the organisation. There's plenty of research, and Jess Price-Jones, who wrote Maximising Your Psychological Capital, the research she's done is that those people who feel more engaged in their work 
have con- strong connections both within and outside the organisation. So I think there's some that we go, oh, my experience was I've been in jobs where my managers have gone, no, we don't want you to connect with the outside mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. We just want you to stay in here. And, you know, it's it, there's... Uh, it's the whole linchpin thing. You know, you've got uh, it's better support for you to even stay in your job. You feel like you've got resources that you have, have um, access to to even help you perform better anyway. Yeah, look, I'm excited, Jane. <laughs> this, is, this is a really interesting topic and it's one that I'm passionate about as well. And I know we've only scratched the surface. Yes. Uh, so, so I know there are people who want to talk to you more and who want to find out more about what you do, uh, yes. what sort of people you work with, what sort of organizations you like to help. Mm-hmm. So for those people who do want to get more help with personal branding, with impact and influence, mm-hmm. what services do you offer and what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. So um, I guess there are probably four main people we work with. So it'll be um, uh, sales teams where we build LinkedIn profiles and uh, training the sales and marketing communications teams on the strategy behind that to get all that to work. Um, we also work with job seekers, so particularly, mostly executive job seekers um, to help them build their branding and positioning in the industry to help them um, move roles. Other is solopreneurs and thought leaders, experts, consultants, trainers, um, and those types of people to be able to um, help position and market them for their future role, and uh, and business leaders. So, and that's a little bit more around the behavioural side of, of personal branding, and um, a bit like we spoke about, how do you get that to integrate in performance discussions as well as what I'm trying to influence my team to do. Um, so that's probably the, they're probably the main programs we work with. Um, and your other question, how to get in touch with me. Mm. Um, so my website is www.jane-anderson.com or .com.au, either way. And, uh, yeah, people can get in touch with me there or equally LinkedIn. Um, very, people are very welcome to connect with me there as well. You'll see me there. And they should buy your book. They should buy your yes. book, Impact. It's a fabulous book and I think it's a Thank really you. great introduction for people who haven't worked with you before and who want to know a little bit more about the whole personal branding process. I think that's fantastic. So I presume they can get that from your website as well, Jane. That's correct. Yes, Gihan. Yeah, fantastic. So I really enjoyed our conversation, Jane. It's me great too. given me Thank some you. ideas. Oh, look, my, my <laughs> pleasure. My pleasure. It really has given me some ideas that I can take away and use as well. So thanks very much for your time and for your insights. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jane. In addition to her website, which is great, you can also subscribe to her podcast, The Jane Anderson's Show. So look for it in iTunes or your podcast player, or you can find a link to it from her website. And as I mentioned earlier, personal branding is one of the topics in my book, There's an I in Team. In fact, there's a whole chapter about it. I talk about building your authority by creating your personal learning network, then by connecting on social media, and then by sharing information that demonstrates your expertise. You can get the book at there's an I in team.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found something valuable for your personal and professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor, give me a review and rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. If you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. And if you want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com, where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos, and webinar series. And these are all free, and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team, and, of course, yourself. Bye for now.
listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike. Thank you.